Hey, before we jump into the show, I wanted to give you a heads up that my free YouTube strategy class is available right now on demand at thinkmasterclass.com. On the class, I reveal the one YouTube strategy we use at Think Media to generate over 330,000 views every single day. So if you're new to YouTube, this will help you start right and avoid mistakes. And if you're a YouTube pro, this training will help you multiply your growth. This class is 100% free and you can watch it now on demand at thinkmasterclass.com. Now let's jump into today's show. So with services and being a content creator, if you're putting yourself out there and you're demonstrating your skills, you're marketing yourself, the good news is, yes, you can get paid ad revenue and things like that to put yourself out there and market yourself, which is great. But the more important thing is you are marketing yourself. You're bringing in these client relationships. So I did that as a freelancer. Now I get to do it as a coach who helps other content creators because by putting myself out there, demonstrating my abilities and my knowledge and my skills, I attract people who want to hire me. That kind of thing just opens up opportunities because you're building your network at scale because every piece of content you put out, Sean, it's a clone. It's out there to build your reputation, build your relationships, generate revenue while it's getting you reach. So if you want to make a full-time living as a creator, there are six different business models. And today we're talking with Roberto Blake, the author of Create Something Awesome. And he's going to break down just details about these different business models so you can pick the best one for you for going part-time or full-time working from home on your own schedule as a creator. So Roberto, welcome back to the podcast. And number one is services such as freelancing. And I know you've personally walked through a lot of these. So break down some insights and kind of tell us uh, more about services and freelancing. Sure, absolutely. So I, I actually was able to do YouTube because I had time freedom, Sean. You know that it's very hard for anyone to be a full-time content creator when they also have to work a full-time job or be a full-time student. Time freedom is the disproportionate advantage that content creators have. My time freedom came from the fact that I was a freelancer. So as a freelancer, I was setting my own schedule. Yes, I had to find my own clients. I had to do everything myself. That's kind of the point. You are you know, working as a mercenary at that point. So you don't have the backing of the company. Uh, you know, There are advantages to being a company man, a company woman. There's a little bit of stability and security there. But for people that, that doesn't fit their personality or the lifestyle that they want, you can take on all the responsibility that you had at your nine to five job. You can go ahead and say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to save up money. I'm going to make sure I have the same resources that the nine to five job gives me in terms of my software and my hardware and my setup. Okay, I'm going to go up and I'm going to build the client relationships. So in my case, when I was working in corporate, they would bring in client relationships. I would do, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this back end thing. I'm going to do the website design or I'm going to do the the print. I'm going to do the graphic design. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to set up the back end. I'm going to do the DNS. I'm going to do the tech. I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. So, okay, in my mind, I was like, you know what? Without poaching clients from the company, I can leave. And I can find people that I can deliver all this value to because I'm servicing like, you know, almost a hundred of the corporation's customers plus a month. Well, they all are business owners. I can be a business owner just like them. But more importantly, I can also just provide value to all these other people who have online businesses. And this is years and years ago. This is like a decade ago. Like, wait a minute, I can do this on my own. I can get the same, I can get a better computer than the company's giving me. My computer's out of date. It's like, oh, this is terrible. That's easy. Oh, this software? Oh, I can get software. Oh, the licenses, the software? Oh, Adobe? Oh, that's easy. So um, I have this anyway. I would do this anyway. So I went and I made sure I had the resources. I built my own client relationships. And I also had to take on all the responsibility 
for operations, management, um, just doing everything myself, all the liability. And guess what that entitled me to, Sean? All the revenue. So now I cut the employer out of the equation. So with services and being a content creator, if you're putting yourself out there and you're demonstrating your skills, you're marketing yourself, the good news is, yes, you can get paid ad revenue and things like that to put yourself out there and market yourself, which is great. But the more important thing is you are marketing yourself. You're bringing in these client relationships. So I did that as a freelancer. Now I get to do it as a coach who helps other content creators because by putting myself out there, demonstrating my abilities and my knowledge and my skills, I attract people who want to hire me, both in terms of coaching clients, but also in terms of brands that hire me for sponsorship, but also brands that hire me for consulting and events that hire me for you know public speaking. We've spoken at many events together. Would love to see you uh, and speak at uh, Go With Video Live. It's been on my list. And that kind of thing just opens up opportunities because you're building your network at scale because every piece of content you put out, Sean, it's a clone. It's out there to build your reputation, build your relationships, generate revenue while it's getting you reach. So we have five other business models, but to go a little bit deeper in the community that you coach, what are some of the services and freelance services that people could offer to kind of generate ideas if they don't have maybe graphic design or web design or video or photography like you or I, some of those skill sets. What are some of the other things you see people working from home doing to create a little more freedom so they can also build their YouTube channels? This is perfect. A lot of people work as virtual assistants and they do admin work. So that's extraordinarily powerful. And you can bring a lot of diverse things to the table there. Almost anyone can do that. And you can learn the skills that make you a great admin overnight. Some people do community management. Uh, you know, Andy Rivera, who works with me as uh, my operations manager, one of the big tasks on her plate is the community management. So if you can do community management, you can do operations uh, planning. There's also people who do customer service. Uh, for example, uh, Melissa, who works on your team, there are people who uh, do admin work and customer service. There's people who do automations, manage email list. You could also do writing. You know, Colin and Samir have a wonderful team that write for the published press, and they basically just get to work primarily as editors and like get to oversee that and do a little curation, but the actual writing is done by the wonderful people on their team. So there's that aspect of it. There's also sales positions. You have a great sales team over at Think Media. So I think that there are a variety of opportunities for people and it doesn't just go down to technical skills. You can use soft skills and scale those online as well. Yeah, that's powerful. And again, we're talking about the six main business models of the creator economy. And one of the ways to get into working in the creator economy is to work for another established creator. It's also one of the best ways to get proximity, learn for maybe one day wanting to launch your own thing. That's something we've done here at Thick Media is some people we recognize maybe want to roll with us forever, or maybe they want to just be a part of building the company here and the vision here for a while, but eventually they want to launch their own thing and they want to absorb those skills it could be really smart for linking up with people. And also, if you ever want to check out what's happening at Think, work with think.com. Uh, and we'll put that in the show notes is where we have our open positions and things like that. But secondly, is royalties from ad revenue or intellectual property? Explain yes. some of these insider terms. Yes. So a lot of people don't realize that uh, the ad revenue that we get from YouTube and these creator funds and so on is uh, taxed as uh, royalty income. Now, for more tax advice, get yourself a certified public accountant or professional. This is not financial advice for entertainment purposes only. Um, so disclaimers aside, uh, 
the classification of this income is royalty income. And that's because it fits the best uh, historical subset of how creative services people have been paid. Because when you hear royalties, usually that's likened to authors who write books like, you know, like we do, you know, we write books, we get royalties, uh, musicians, of course, but also performance royalties. And you can also get royalties uh, sometimes when you work with companies and brands, because sometimes they can license the usage of either your content or even maybe your face, or if you have some intellectual property that you've trademarked and they want a shareable license with that, you can license those terms. They could be in perpetuity. Uh, they can be uh, for a limited time that they write you a check for that for the usage, uh, so, or there could be uh, revenue sharing associated with that, or it's a percentage, uh, et, cetera, et cetera, or it could be a fixed fee. This also happens if you do performance royalties when you uh, do a, a, a skit or something on a TV show. And if it's in syndication, you'll still see royalty checks from that. Um, fairly sure I Justine still um, gets a check for the episode she was in on Law and Order SVU. You know, so there's so there's all these opportunities with this. A lot of people also don't realize you can get royalty licensing for intellectual property around things like your photography. If you license these to stock media websites like Storyblocks, and you also, of course, could do streaming royalties like Harris Heller does with Streambeats. So there's, or if you're a published musician, not just someone creating stock media, but if you're a public musician like uh, KSI or Gabby Hanna or any of the other YouTube musicians, after Lindsey Sterling, so on and so forth. So royalties exist across multiple platforms where you can make money. Obviously, you and I get royalties from Amazon because of Kindle Direct Publishing because we're both published authors. And so a lot of people just think, oh, YouTube ad revenue. No, you can get paid for your intellectual property across multiple, multiple platforms, whether that's through ad revenue, creator funds, or licensing. Powerful and definitely things people don't think about. Number three is a little bit more known, but break down some insights on affiliate marketing, which is getting sales commissions from products and services. I love affiliate marketing. I know a lot of people have some skepticism. I think that a lot of people hear affiliate marketing and they think, scam. And that's because they're confusing it with MLM multi-level marketing, which has a very dubious reputation. And not even all of those, I believe, um, based on technical legal definitions are uh, scams or whatever. But, you know, some of them clearly are. The thing with affiliate marketing is it should be obvious to everybody because of Amazon and Amazon's influencer marketing that there is legit affiliate marketing. And the easiest legit affiliate marketing is the type that you and I do. It's typically things like the Amazon Influencer Program where people buy hardware. So they buy physical, tangible items from the biggest retail store in the world. You get a percentage. Now, you and I also as veterans of that know that it's only 2 to 8% depending on the category. So it's, not, it's, it's nice at scale. And it's nice depending on what category you go into. You make more selling Amazon's products. You make more selling electronics, uh, things like that. And then it gets lower when you're doing books. Uh, if you do Amazon's own fashion brand, it does well. So uh, it just depends on the opportunity. But with the thing that I like the most is software as a service affiliate. And that's also very good and uh, legitimate. In both cases, you're just getting a commissions on whatever sales you make for the company. And imagine if for your nine to five employer, imagine saying, hey, you know what, Sean, we're going to give you 20% of every dollar that you've ever made for the company. How's that sound, Sean? Like, it's great. Here's the problem. Oh, but you have to give up a salary. Oh, well, that, okay, that's not so great because security, like, okay, it's make it, take it. But when you have other revenue streams in play, whether it's the services you're providing, ad revenue is stable or something else, 
then this percentage thing starts to sound really, really good. And with software, it can be recurring monthly revenue, which is how it really can replace a salary. And so my biggest affiliate is our friends over at TubeBuddy. And with TubeBuddy, I consistently make somewhere between $4,000 to $6,000 a month, never less than $4,000. Highest is a little over six. Uh, I make that consecutively a month and have for many, many years now. I believe in the years that I've been with TubeBuddy, I think it's been maybe five or six years now. And I think uh, I've hit $350,000 to $400,000 lifetime with them. And I do $4,000 to $6,000 a month. For a lot of people, that's a livable income by itself. But it's for work I've already done because I don't have to do much to keep those customers as long as they're happy with the software, I will always be paid for building the relationship with the client because I have the uh, the investment and the return from the relationship in perpetuity. So I'm earning from those relationships in perpetuity um, as a brand ambassador and an affiliate and uh, through the goodwill that I have in the community. That it takes a lot of pressure off, Son, and that's really good. And the best part about it is if someone cancels, I don't make money. If they keep it, I make money. So the legitimacy of affiliate marketing is just a matter of people understanding what it is, understanding real value that's created with products and services. And for me, you don't get much more legit than hardware and software because anyone can refund hardware that they don't like in 30 days with Amazon pretty much no questions asked as long as they ship it back. And anyone can cancel software anytime they want if they're not using it anymore. So I don't think there's any way for anyone to really get hurt on that at all. Because if you don't like something, you can refund it or cancel it. So no harm, no foul. And for creating and providing that value to the company, they're happy to pay a commission because it's in many cases a cheaper way to guarantee the sale than for them to buy traditional advertising. Uh, so that's you know that's how I utilize affiliate marketing, and I think it's one of the best underrated opportunities for most people. Yeah, I agree. And one of our definitions is affiliate marketing is a cool way to share products you personally love and use that you would naturally recommend to friends or family, anyways. But to make a commission in the process, that doesn't make the product cost anymore. And what these companies yeah. know is is that they're not doing paid advertising. Their cost of acquisition is wrapped into your commission as opposed to having to advertise somewhere else or put up a billboard or advertise in a trade magazine or buy a booth at a convention. They're empowering the creator to earn money on that transaction. And what's cool is if you're new to affiliate marketing, there's literally everything. I mean, Dick's Sporting Goods, Bass Pro Shop. Walmart, Best Buy, Target. All the big bucks. Mac makeup, yeah. And of course, software, as you mentioned, our friend Pat Flynn, uh, similar to your TubeBuddy results, has done that with like email marketing stuff, ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign or one of those. And so um, it's a huge opportunity and one of the best ways to get started because you don't have to create anything yourself. You just make content that's helpful. um, And they do all the heavy lifting to your point of customer service, returns, helping, you know, the creation of the product, literally everything. So even if commissions are low... So is also the maintenance and the work side if you can just create the content. But that brings us to number four out of our six business models of the creator economy, which was e-commerce. So selling either digital or physical products online. Explain this in some examples. Sure. So we all utilize e-commerce now. We're all buying physical or digital goods online. Every time uh, you know, I go into a video game and I do all of that uh, wonderful 
DLC or any of those in uh, game or in app purchases. I'm making digital you know, purchases and spending real money for uh, digital goods. It's like, it's not some new thing. I know people like to think that that's some nude weird thing. No, we've been doing that for like 20 years now. Like at least as gamers have, we've been doing that for 20 years. So like, so that's, uh, that's interesting. And then when it comes to physical products, we obviously, most of us buy things from Amazon or any of our other favorite stores and have it shipped to us. Best Buy, um, you know, Walmart, a lot of us are doing all of this online shopping, you know, regardless of what time of year it is, year round. And so we should be less skeptical about this concept because we literally have been doing it for like last 10, 15 years, all of us. Hey, we're about to get back into the content in just a second, but today's episode is brought to you by Tube1KChallenge.com. It's that time again, we're at Think Media. We are taking five days to teach you our best tips, strategies, and step-by-step playbook for starting and growing a YouTube channel this year. In fact, this is all about getting your first or next 1,000 subscribers and earning your first or next $1,000 on YouTube. What are the best business models? How do you tactically even do the things that Roberto is talking about in this episode? We're taking five days of free content, and to get access, just go to Tube. 1kchallenge.com. That's tube, the number one, the letter K, challenge.com. The thing is, why are we ourselves only being consumers when it comes to the e-commerce side? Why hasn't occurred to any of us to productize ourselves, condense our value either in experience or knowledge or something, or, or even our skill as a craftsperson into something that allows us to sell online at scale? So I've been doing this with uh, digital products like my uh, YouTube starter kit, my brand deal starter kit, Uh, not an online course yet, although you can definitely do that. Uh, I have like courses coming uh, soon, uh, you know, but the thing that everyone thinks about is online course, but no, you could be doing notion templates like Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank, I think is close to making seven figures from notion templates around productivity systems that he's developed. And there's a lot of people making millions of dollars in the notion community doing that. Our friend Pat Flynn has a physical product in e-commerce that he developed the switch pod, which uh, helps uh, content creators and vloggers as competition for the Joby gorilla pod. So Really powerful things that you could do. He solved his own problem of I need something, uh, you know, uh, thinner, lighter, and more stable than this Joby Gorilla Pod. Joby Gorilla Pod's great. I have nothing against it, but what about just having a different option? So he and his, um, you know, friend Caleb, um, you know, another wonderful content uh, creator, developed uh, this product. I was one of the first people to ever touch, hold it, give recommendations and feedback at uh, Vid Summit years and years ago, and it's been a historic uh, product in the ecosystem, a friend and client of mine, A-Drive, he's launching his own collectible card game. He's huge in the Pokemon community, hit a million subscribers recently. We've done like four coaching calls together over the last couple of years and everything. Uh, He developed one. We helped actually with the development of his merchandise brand that um, like did, I think they had a year where they did like a 500K uh, merch drop. And it's around this concept because uh, he's a shiny Pokemon hunter. Uh, we came up with Team Shiny as a brand, and we figured out the concept of collectible merch, like merch where there's an overlap with a collectible theme because we're talking to a Pokemon community. Now he has his own trademark intellectual property with his card game, Elestrials. And so uh, it's been one of the historically quickest and most backed kicks, first, to- first time Kickstarter projects of all time. So – 
uh, tremendous stuff there. This means that between using platforms like I use Kajabi, as you do for our online digital products, memberships, and courses, you can use Shopify for something to ship out physical products and things of that nature. Some people do merch by Amazon for merchandise. Some people do spread shop because it costs them $0. So there's all these ways to sell and do e-commerce and sell your own product directly to your audience, whether it's physical. Most people's physical product will be merch. Some people will be more ambitious and will make camera accessories or card games. <laughs> and then you can have digital products that could be template systems uh, in Photoshop, Notion, uh, preset let packs like Peter McKinnon, or it could be online digital courses. Yeah, this is powerful. And I think this is, you could almost call this one of the strategies that's more advanced or one that comes a little bit later in the journey. I think what's amazing about the creator economy is there's ways to start immediately with like affiliate marketing as you get monetized on YouTube. Now ad revenue could be coming in. Freelancing is a great way to trade your time for money, but still create more freedom right when you're starting. But for everybody listening to this, it's something to dream about, think about. The inspiration might not strike you immediately, but be thinking about how can you take back the the strongest place of power in your own brand, which is creating something that you own that's either digital or physical that you can sell. I've heard it said that your income is directly correlated to the amount of buy buttons on your website, which may trigger you to think, shoot, I don't even have a website. Number two, I don't have any buy buttons. And, and then you think, number three, that's maybe why my income is capped. And that speaks to, again, these are things that are going to be taking your brand off of Amazon, taking your brand off of YouTube to a point, you're creating something of your own. You're using YouTube maybe as a marketing channel, you're building an email list, but eventually you're able to sell something. And therefore you're also able to reap the rewards. You're not getting two to 8% on Amazon, but make an online course, you're going to flip it. You're going to make like 98% besides your 2% Stripe fee. Yep. And, uh, and so the, but it takes a lot of work. And so you don't have to do all of this at once. It takes time to create a good product that you want to stand behind, uh, but definitely something that should be in your queue. So those are four of six. Number five is brand deals, like sponsorships yes. from promoting brands. And anybody listening to this by now has heard podcasts sponsored by Purple Mattress or, or seen YouTube videos brought to you by Squarespace. But break down some of your stuff. And I know this is a deep uh, vertical of expertise for you. You've got some education content specifically on brand deals. And so we could do a whole episode about this. And sure. that's one reason uh, we'll link in the show notes, your book, create something awesome uh, for more tactical tips, but do a summation of, of some tactical stuff on brand deals. So one of the funny things is uh, that I think that affiliate marketing and brand deals are like, you know, big and little brother here, you know, and it's either once, whichever one pays you more is the big brother. Uh, but the thing is, you could use your affiliate marketing stats to actually help you negotiate better brand deals because you actually are able to prove the buying power of your audience. And so now it's less theoretical. So you're reducing the risk for a brand. So that's one thing. The other thing, you have to understand that a lot of things is like when you're dealing with brands, it's about risk, reach, uh, reputation, and revenue. And so one of the things you want to do is you want to qualify that you're low risk. Part of that is uh, having a good reputation, keeping your you know content in your community as clean as possible. If you're not and you're a little edgier, you have to understand that that limits your brand opportunities and you have to act accordingly. You have to also recognize, okay, when it comes to reach, I have to demonstrate that I have reach. 
So maybe that is demonstrated in my uh, numbers, in my vanity metrics, but sometimes you could recontextualize that reach and say, hey, I don't have the largest number in the world, but I have such a deep reputation with the people that I do reach that they buy my so-so. And the thing is to prove that, you have to either prove that, in my opinion, with either your affiliate marketing sales or your own product sales, you can prove that in terms of my reputation generates revenue and here's how I can prove it. So don't negotiate on your reach, negotiate on holistically on reach, reputation, risk, and revenue and say, here's how I'm going to reduce some risk for you. Those are things you can talk about in the pitch or in the contract. Here is how we're going to reach people together. Here is how I enhance your reputation. Here's how you benefit from my reputation by having an advocate in the community with me as a brand ambassador and how I represent you. And then here is how you're going to get revenue. Here is what's going to justify the price that I'm charging you. I am considering what is uh, appropriate and what is helpful to you. I'm not just trying to extract value from you without giving you anything back. So there's a respect aspect to that uh, relationship. And so when we work with brands, when we're doing sponsored content, they're not just paying us for, oh, you have this many subscribers. Here's the amount of money you get. No, here's the views you get. Here's the amount of money you get. That is the weakest form of negotiation tactically with brands. I want every creator to do an internal audit and not only look at their numbers and know their reach and then stop trying to sell on that. I want them to look at their reputation and your reputation isn't just how people feel about you in the community. It's your reputation for the quality of the work that you do. So what you represent in yourself with your reputation is here is how we make a video. If you're, you know, Marquez Brownlee, it's like we make videos that are impossible to replicate and duplicate. Anyone can talk on an iPhone, but people do not have the shots we do. People don't go in depth. We do. They don't come up with the script and the ideas that we do. So the body of work, your reputation, that quality, why am I shooting in 4K? Why do I have this lighting? Why have the, It's because it will improve my reputation for high quality, high value content that will be not outdated and will stay competitive in the future whenever someone sees this and hears the brand's name that I'm in a relationship with. So there's that aspect. It's also about paying for the access to your reputation to use your name and say that, hey, I'm approved by Sean. I'm approved by Justine. I'm approved by Roberto. I'm approved by Marquez as a brand. You add legitimacy um, to a brand. Now, a lot of creators, smaller content creators, think that they need to do brand deals because in their mind, they're looking for legitimacy with their peers by doing that and respect from the community by doing that. And a lot of times they undervalue themselves because they're looking for that. Or sometimes they end up taking bad deals that they shouldn't that actually hurt their reputation because they're trying to prove themselves. I think what you have to do is respect the relationship you have with your audience, put them first in everything that you do, and then really feel that when you do this, you're mitigating your risk to your reputation associating with a brand as well. So these are the things that I try to coach creators on when I work with them. And we talk about brand deals specifically because uh, you already know this. The things I'm talking about is not what most people talk about whenever you watch a video about sponsored content. So powerful insights. And I definitely recommend uh, if you haven't followed Roberto over, he's got deeper content on his YouTube channel on brand deals. And there's a lot to say there, but really powerful um, tips on brand deals, which was number five out of the six main business models of the creator economy. Now, of course, what's wild about the creator economy is there's more than this. There are There's new opportunities coming up. People are expressing creativity um, and it's inspiring to see people, they're launching businesses, they're 
spinning off other companies. But these are the six main business models and a really good starting point for really understanding monetization. Even being able to make a plan and talk to your family, I think that sometimes it's hard to enlist. You may feel like you're under supported by a spouse or a family member because they say, well, that's not really a real job. There's not a practicality to this. No, this is the fastest growing small business type, but it's important to understand the mechanics and the different ways that you can combine or that you can also isolate and go deep on. And so we've covered these first five. But number six, Roberto, is memberships, monthly reoccurring payments from an audience. Yes. What are some of your insights here? Yes. So this one I really like because I think that if you're looking for stability, when we talk about people like people who work a regular job nine to five, a lot of times they're getting paid twice a month. For one thing, if you diversify your income streams in the creator economy and you have these multiple streams of income, you're getting paid more than the twice a month. So actually, you could argue very easily that if you're doing it from the perspective that we talk about and correctly, there's like more stability actually than less. It's just up front, there's less. But if you're doing it correctly, very quickly, you could have much, much more. And the thing is, the disruption to your income if you work a nine to five job and you're and that's your sole source of income. And you and I have both experienced this and we're survivors of the last recession. Um, and so we've been fired before. We understand that it's like that security and stability lies in one person, one supervisor, one manager can make a decision through no fault of your own and say, your income's gone. So what stability people are imagining, I don't know. I think that that's been bad marketing. I think it's cap, mm. <laughs> but as the kids would say. Now, that being uh, said, once you get to a point to where you have um, your own membership website, membership community, or whether that you did that in platform, if you do it in platform, you split the revenue with a platform. If it's YouTube, it's 30%. If it's other platforms, it could be more than 50%. If you have your own website, like you and I do, hosted through Kajabi, not sponsored, um, then you could set your rates and then you're not splitting a percentage. It's just your service fees to Stripe, PayPal as your processors, and then your bank. And then after that, the real fun of, is splitting it with the government through taxes. Um, so that's where um, their percentage ends up being closer to YouTube's. <laughs> so the um, so the thing about that is you can have more top line revenue coming in. But the other great thing about this is if you own the system, that's not even a monthly payout. It's cash flow, which means you're getting that upfront on the days that people pay, which means you could be literally, if you have if you have members, if you have 100 members and they all signed up on different days, if you own your own platform, that money is going to your Stripe or PayPal uh, across those different days, which means you could have cash that comes in daily because of this, which is also another good cash flow thing with uh, selling your own products. Uh, but unlike selling your own products, this is basically guaranteed recurring income as long as you do not churn these customers, as long as these people do not cancel you're getting that $59 a month or that $29 a month or that $99 a month every single month for however many people are signed up. So once you have 100 people signed up in this kind of model, you have livable guaranteed income comparable to a job that's also more stable in terms of its cash flow because unlike your YouTube check that comes in on the 21st, that's not a once a month thing. Unlike your payout on your royalties on your book, that's not a once a month thing. This is continuous um, payments that are going up throughout incrementally that cash flow and add up and you have a, a very good overlook of the guaranteed source of income. The other thing is you can always get more members so it could go up and it could scale. So as long as you're maintaining people, 
you're not churning them, you're not losing them, you actually have a more stable source of income than many of the ones we talked about. And when you combine it with those other sources of income, when you have recurring affiliate marketing uh, money, and that's monthly recurring income, it's once a month per affiliate program. So if you have three, four really decent affiliate programs, oh, wow, that ends up being a lot more stability. There are more pillars here to um, shore things up and keep them uh, you know, stable, build a really strong foundation financially. And then with this, I think memberships is one because with memberships is the thing you control. You control that asset. You own that intellectual property. You own that website. And so the rules aren't going to just change on you. The platforms aren't going to code switch on you, change policies, have delays, have excuses, so on and so forth. So that's the other added layer of stability because you can have problems with your nine to five job. It could be fired. It could be payroll delays. It could be any number of things that could disrupt your income over there. It could be an industry thing could be beyond your control. So I don't think the narrative that you have all these assurances with traditional work stacks up when you analyze it. And that's part of why I wrote a book about this, Sean. I wrote a book partly even so people pursuing this have a way to kind of defend themselves when they're having these conversations because they have the arguments laid out for them and the facts and the data to back it up, but also to give them a practical plan so that they don't keep thinking that they're crazy or thinking that they're delusional. They have a practical, actionable framework to build off of, and they can do that whether they're doing regular YouTube-style medium-form content, short-form content, live streaming, podcasting. There's a variety of ways to approach it, but by learning good business principles, learning concepts like MRR, monthly recurring revenue, understanding concepts like churn, customer acquisition and retention, you're going to put yourself in a position to do this seriously and to be taken seriously while you're doing it. I always get inspired after talking to Roberto Blake, especially when we're talking about the financial opportunity as a content creator or a business owner creating content. I mean, it's real. And you see these different business models, the opportunity to create multiple streams of income. And what the data is showing us is that this industry continues to grow. And actually, if you have not registered yet for our free five-day YouTube challenge, it's all about how do you grow, how do you build that audience, and then how do you make money in multiple different ways. We only do these challenges a few times a year, and the next one is coming up soon. So if you want to register for the free Tube 1K Challenge, just go to tube1kchallenge.com, and that is tube, the number one, the letter K, challenge.com. When you get to the page, just enter your information so that we can get you registered for this immersive experience with myself and the Think Media team where you're going to be learning the best YouTube growth strategies and the best monetization strategies for building a channel or starting a channel this year. Also, if you've been getting value from the Think Media podcast, do us a favor and like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. It really goes a long way for you to share your feedback, whether that's in a YouTube comment, whether that's in a podcast review on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts, and it helps spread the message further. The opportunity is real. Here at Think Media, we're on a mission to help 10,000 purpose-driven people create a full-time living doing what they love while making a difference in the world with YouTube. And this podcast is one of our ways of doing that. So if you have gotten value from the podcast, do us a favor and maybe let one other person you know that would find this valuable. Share it with them, like the podcast, and I look forward to connecting with you 
in the next episode.